What's good, everyone? My name is Jacob Moses, and welcome to the Peep the Ten podcast, a monthly podcast where in each episode, we chat with a ten fish advocate to ramp up our ten fish knowledge, hear stories from across the ten fish supply chain, and most important, boost our never-ending love for the humble ten fish. In this episode, we chat with Liz Pettigrew, co-founder at Sardine Head in Portland, Oregon, a natural dive wine bar, as PDX Monthly has described it, introducing its customers to the humble tin fish paired with a hand-selected glass of natural wine. From the Matisse sardines to a delicious-sounding wine I cannot confidently narrate for this introduction, the product at Sardine Head challenges customers' palates in the best way, enjoyed in a welcoming environment deeply rooted in its Portland neighborhood. In this episode, Liz shares the inspiration behind Sardine Head, its challenges throughout the pandemic, and a recurring theme throughout this episode, the role small businesses play in the prosperity of their neighborhoods, both economically and socially. Lastly, and damn, I'm so excited to share this news. In this episode, you'll meet Peep the Ten's new co-host, Janine Rock, fellow tinfish lover and co-owner at Sawdad Foods, an importer and distributor of fine kitchen and pantry staples based in Portland, Oregon. I've had the best time getting to know Janine these past few weeks, and I'm so excited for you all to hear even more stories about well, why 10 fish is the best. All right, y'all. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoyed this episode with Liz Pettigrew. my friend. How are you today? I am so good. So glad to be here. How are you? We're good. It's myself, Jacob, kicking it here in Denton, Texas. And joining us for the the first time on the Pizza Tim podcast, it's new co-host, Miss Janine Rock. Janine, what's what's going down with you? Oh, you know, just bumping along here in Portland. We've had some beautiful weather, so enjoying that. Good. Did you know that um, I'm from Texas too? I didn't realize you were reporting from Denton there. No, I did not know that. I was reading a a PDX monthly article that referenced a a Texas size like Longhorn skull tattoo. (laughs) And I was like, maybe there's some Texas roots there, but happy to confirm as such. Where was was home for you? Uh, My hometown is Amarillo. So not that far from Denton. Lovely. Yeah, I've heard some... (laughs) Uh, Amarillo's on the the upswing. They got a good good coffee scene these days. They're doing some interesting stuff. That's what I'm hearing. I'm I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay here. But sure. I, I, I hear it's on the upswing. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> well, Liz, thank you. Um, so excited, Chats. Um, I know you're. A, is it is it co-owner? What's your title over at Sardine Head? So, um, co-owner. Yes. Uh, my. I'm kind of becoming the sole owner at this time during this transition. My uh, business partner, his name is Simon Lowry. And uh, before pre-COVID, he had decided he wanted to kind of take a step back and start kind of getting himself out of the business a little bit, uh, just because him and his partner are discussing possibly moving back home, which home mm. to him is France. So. Wow. 
Yeah, so he wanted to kind of start slowly making that transition and also make sure that he had some time working for an import company, which he works for Petit Monde at this time now, um, and getting come that, that experience in as well. So he is still technically my business partner, um, so I don't want to leave him out. <laughs> sure, big big love to Simon. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know we'll get to talk a little bit about more what you referenced to um, kind of this, this transformative stage mm-hmm. that Sardine had... Um, very excitedly finds itself in. So we'll chat about more of that here in a bit. Um, To get started, I'm sure that any, you know, tin fish fan that learns about a place called Sardine Head is just (laughs) so excited to learn about what that could possibly mean and and what that looks like experiencing your restaurant. Will you give us a little bit of a a mental image, perhaps pre-COVID about, you know, what's going down at Sardine Head? What what are you both experiencing? Yeah, um, I think some to some it, that name can actually be a little bit intimidating, but it's it's a space that we curated that's quite the opposite. Um, it was really important to both Simon and I and our team that we had we created a kind of come one come all space, and that there was no wrong questions, and that wine mm. and French food is not scary or doesn't have to be bougie, and you know just kind of a fun, dimly lit good music, good people, no room for abuse kind of space. Sure. Um, so I feel like, I don't know, I think, I think people would feel a little intimidated coming in. And then once they, you know, interact with any of us that could be working any of the time, because it was a very, very much a everyone does everything type of type of situation. Um, I feel like we all did a really good job and customers allowed it of, of making people comfortable and kind of get out of their comfort zone and, and maybe trying some things that they, they thought before that they hated, you know, cause no one had ever just sat and talked with them about it. I loved the phrase that y'all use that PDX monthly quote in describing sardine head as a wine dive bar, which I think is I, a, a great phrase. I appreciate what it. You just described. <laughs> I appreciate it because you know I grew up you know in in Texas and like for better or for worse around a bunch of dive bars and bikers and things like that and um sure. I just you know I I really wanted to I wanted to have a wine bar but not in the traditional sense and and luckily Simon and the team felt the same way what were some of the the challenges and wins when you first opened sardine had you know what were you trying to create and do you think that you created what you wanted to did it take on a mm-hmm. life of its own i think the i think both um the overall experience of opening sardine head was incredible i've been in this industry for over a decade and i learned so much and <clears throat> simon and our team and myself you know like i said we we created a very inclusive space that i think our industry and especially in the city desperately needed i'm mm-hmm. really very proud of that and grateful for the the sweet friendships i fostered through that experience However, I will say, as far as challenges go, um, there there were many, but I would say the biggest for me personally was trying to figure out how to balance um, taking care of my team, the business, and still making sure that I was taking care of myself and mm-hmm. like not feeling guilty about doing so. And um, I tend to put everyone else and their needs ahead of mine, and I learned that I can't 
take care of others the way that I want to in an effective way if I'm not tending to my own needs. And not only that, but my creativity can suffer and then the customers suffer and the customers love being there. So I think all of it's true. Um, it, it was definitely what we created and then some, like it's what we thought we were doing and then some, and our customers made that the case, honestly, like they took it above and beyond like what we ever could have dreamed of. And I have nothing mm -hmm. but so much respect for our regulars and just the neighborhood in general for just, kind of allowing space for us you know absolutely I just from from a customer perspective um, I have a very soft and special place in my heart for sardine heads it's actually oh. where uh, my business partners and I decided to start our business together right before oh, lockdown wow. oh so <laughs> February 2020 I am a weirdo and take a bunch of pictures of food but I took only a picture of the bottle Okay, maybe two or three bottles. But we have the, um, the anime, like, okay. the Metoda Ancestral, the anime Mundi. Mm -hmm. Oh, my um, God. We had the Radicchio salad and numerous, you know, tins of fish. And we thought, you know, fuck it, we're starting a business. And I can't tell you how many times I've – it's such a warm and wonderful place. So I, I understand there were frustrations in opening it, but I know that I'm not the only one you know, talking about how wonderful it is. And, and it's that, cool. it's that right there that makes any other challenge like totally okay, because it's that, that creating a space where people feel comfortable and can, and do that. And thank you so much for sharing that with me. That, that means so much to me. It really does. So that, yes, exactly that. <laughs> That's what we wanted. A space like that. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Liz, I want to dig deeper into this sidebar that you and Janine just had, you, you described the way in which having that, I, I'm trying to think about the right term, maybe kind of advocates in a consumer, the way in which it benefits um, the merchant, of course, maybe there's some some comforts to try out some new things, get weird, mm -hmm. try out some recommendations, but I'm curious what you witnessed about the way in which that also benefits your customers. Like, of course, many times it's a very transactional relationship. I go in, I get an Americano, I dip. What does the contrary look like whenever you try to foster an environment like you've described at Sardine Head? I think what it ends up doing is creating a ripple effect for other businesses that are not on the radar. Mm. Um, for other businesses that may, may the name or the menu or something feel too eclectic or scary, um, but because of where we are and the business we shared the space with sweetie d people felt more open to trying it even if it made them uncomfortable so then having that experience and being like once they kind of you know weren't resistant to it then being like well man you know guess what other place you would really love and these are local cool. businesses right so i think the ripple effect and what you can do for other people that you respect and want to uplift in the industry that aren't getting the same attention and for listeners that might not be aware, whenever Janine was describing the way in which she engaged with Sardine Head and picking up on that philosophy that they share, mm -hmm. I mean, Janine, you're, you're, in, you're in the distributor game. So <laughs> speaking of ripple effects, we can yeah. really see this kind of community go along the entire supply chain. Have, have you witnessed that as well, Janine? Absolutely. I'm, I've been a buyer before and I've worked on the supplier side. I've never been on the distributor end. So I thought, eh, why not during a, yeah. a pandemic? Let's do this. 
So, you know, it's it's been a learning experience, but I think that it all gives us or we all need to have a sense of grace, right? Mm-hmm. In yep. terms of understanding where other people are. And let me tell you, I'm sure you both know exactly. You can tell when people do not have that sense of grace. I can't, I can't tell you how many people I've, I've talked to and they're like, I hate food distributors. Yep. I hate, you know, all of yep. this stuff. And so my business partners and I were like, well, you know, clearly we don't want to be millionaires. That's not what it's about when you're trying to do something sustainable, but you want to, you want to be um, some sort of a change, right? A movement going forward. And if 2020 is anything, it is a disruption of our life, which it should be. Mm-hmm. And we need to change moving forward. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's very much, I keep on going back to grace, like not in a religious way. I was brought up in a cult, so I don't want to go that direction, but this is, <laughs> this is, this is what I keep coming back to, right? We got to be nice to each other. Everyone just needs to play well, play nice. And that's what you're saying too, exactly. But it's like, that's, you know, myself and Simon and the team, we were pretty particular. I mean, I'm very particular about who I'm spending my money with. And I loved vetting winemakers, distributors, things like that. And there would be things that would come up and I'd be like, nope. And they'd be like, well, where are we going to find it? I don't know. Maybe we just don't Mm. have it anymore, but I'm not we have to take that that power kind of back and be like, we're not going to be forced to buy things from you just because there's a niche for it. And that's why it's important totally. for people like Janine, you getting into this industry. Cause like, I'm going to buy from you. <laughs> I want to give my money to you. Well, and the vibe at Sardine had, like I, it's so refreshing. There are a handful of restaurants in Portland that I could really say, you know, this wine list is so great. And it's not just about the wine, but when you walk into a place that doesn't curate the wine list, I, I almost said some brands. I'm not going to say the brand's names, but they're <laughs> everywhere else. Right, and it's the same when wine I come in, everywhere. Yeah, and when I come into this place, I found this like rock star bubbly that for the rest of my life, I have this beautiful memory and along with the food, you know you're in a special place because you and your team have clearly, you trust your team and the customers come in, even if they don't trust you at first, mm-hmm. they trust you when they leave because they're having an amazing meal and better mm-hmm. quality. And honestly, the value, are you kidding me? It's That ridiculous. was really important to us was to make sure that, you know, there was a single mom who lived down the street from us when we first opened and she could come have a glass of wine and a salad and not break the bank. And when she told me that, mm. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Like that's, that's, that, that makes everything worth it to me. You know what I mean? And, and like, yeah, thank you for, for saying that. Yeah. Just because you like good food doesn't mean you have a lot of money, right? And vice versa. Yeah. And it shouldn't it shouldn't dictate that. It's ridiculous. It's you know, I think yeah. we can all agree not we should all have access we should all have access to good food, good beverage. You know, mm-hmm. many, many things that are that may seem like luxury, but no, it's good for the soul and it it's good for morale of a community too. Liz, let's talk ten fish. I'm okay. curious if you've had a similar example to our past two guests, we interviewed Matt Caputo, mm-hmm. who's the president over at Caputo's in Salt Lake City, and um, most recently the principal over at Wallapers Cannery. And when I was talking to them, okay, what was that process like bringing tin fish to market, whether it's, um, you know, retail side at Caputo's or distributing um, like Wallapers Cannery, I almost expected like a traditional, you know, market analysis. I look up, I see, mm-hmm. oh, people might be wanting to mess with tin fish. Let's mess with it. But when I chat with these guys, they were just like, nah, like it was a product that we were into. 
mm-hmm. we had that trust, like you alluded to, with our customers mm-hmm. um, to have a conversation about trying it out and get some feedback um, and end up being huge hits among their customers. What mm-hmm. was that process like introducing Tin Fish to the, the Sardine Head crew? You know, the crew, well, some of us had known each other from working previously at Olympia Oyster Bar because Simon and I, that's actually how we met, was um, we helped open Olympia Oyster Bar. Rest in peace, Olympia Oyster Bar. But um, we had already kind of started, you know, messing around with it there. And so the crew was actually super into it. And I told them the same thing I tell the customers, I'm never going to give you something that I don't also love and believe in and know that where I know, like, I know where it's coming from. Like, I'm not going to mm. put anything on the menu just because it's trendy. I'm going to put it on the menu because I believe in the product and I actually eat it myself. Um, so the crew itself, they were luckily so into it and, you know, would see stuff out or whatever and be like, well, I want to add more or whatever, which made them, I mean they're the ones that made it possible to convince these wary customers <laughs> that tin fish sure. can actually be amazing. Um, so what tin fish are on the sardine head menu? What, what am I peeping whenever I'm checking that? <laughs> so um, right now I'm kind of, you know, because we are only offering delivery, I've got uh, I've only got a few things and a lot of things also due to COVID have been getting stuck in customs. So the two main mm. items that I have right now, which I, again, I'm trying to kind of get some other things um, are the just regular Matisse sardines. Um coming out delicious yeah they are and they're just like they're classic right they're good quality they're classic you can kind of like do whatever you want with them and then we've got the um uh the scalia anchovies with red peppers those are one of my all-time favorites Mm, so good and then we have the i have it out of stock right now i actually only have one left i'm trying to get more uh the polistrini sardines um and then the astamar tuna which is also one of my all-time favorites. So those are the four we're working with right now, and kind of supply has been ebbing and flowing, just things getting stuck in customs and things like that. Sure. The tariffs oh. and everything have been amazing. And just everything, yeah. It's yeah. kind of it can be like I could have access to like twenty cans of something one week, and then it not be around yeah. for like a month. So really. Oh, it's how yeah, and I had to. I won't say a name, but um, <laughs> one of my distributors, I ended up. <clears throat> not where I decided to not work with anymore um just due to some things I discovered about them and um so that's kind of limited me as well which is exactly why Janine is going to be a great resource <laughs> and um real good foods is also a great resource too absolutely well and what you have oh man those anchovies those spicy anchovies aren't they the, insane like you don't even need to like really make putanesca outside of throwing no. out tomatoes oh, so right good. <laughs> People would say they taste like pepperonis. They, oh, I didn't even think that, but yeah. When, when people get squeamish about anchovy, I'm like, do you know how many things you eat that have anchovy? Have anchovy in them? Yeah. Have, you, totally. have you had Worcestershire sauce? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Wait, Worcestershire has anchovy? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, my beef stroganoff is ruined. It's, it's, it's. <laughs> It's like mostly that tamarind, little little zhuzh of other things, but yeah, that's the driving component. 
Um, same with fish sauce, right? Fish sauce. It's like like every you know, you know, dashi has uh, bonita flakes in it. It's like that's where we get those umami flavors from. Which you had to, you know, you have to tell people sometimes, and they're like, "Oh, I do like that," and you're like, "I know you do." So try this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the American palate we're getting a little bit better, but to show someone a creature in its natural environment yeah. still freaks people the fuck out. Like, don't show me the scales or the you know, like, it's not like that everywhere in the world. It's it's a lot here. I've I've been many other places in the world. And they have no problem with it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. it's, it's, uh, that, that's why we need places like your place, Liz, to tell right. people about it. I'll give you I'll, I'll give you show on shrimp and tell you to eat the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've been seeing all the pictures of the um the uh, spot prawn they're in season they're right so now. Good. And they're I'm so like good. I'm going tomorrow to go get some. I'm like, oh good. Oh, that's oh, a great idea. <laughs> so excited. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna grill him. <laughs> it'll be perfect. Hopefully. Actually, going off of that, this whole tinned uh fish discussion specifically, Liz. What was your first, if you remember, and you can skip mm-hmm. ahead if you don't remember the first, but what was your first tinned fish experience? So I love this question, actually, because I kind of feel like I had two firsts with it. So my first ever tinned fish experience was when I was a kid, probably like seven or eight, and it was just canned tuna from the grocery store, nothing special. Um, it was something cheap and nutritional that my mom could afford and make into two meals because she's a single mom. But flash forward years later, I'm like 20, 21 years old, and I had just been hired on as a fishmonger at Newman's Fish Market when it was still in the specialty store in Northwest called City Market. Mm. And my boss, Angela Amos, who I'm still very, very thankful for, by the way, um, she gets a jar of the scally anchovies with the red peppers off of the shelf and has me try one. And I mean, it was like, a religious experience for me. I had never had tin fish as a luxury, only as a necessity, and I was blown away. And I just I couldn't be stopped after that. <laughs> yeah, God, what a great, great quote: "Luxury, not a necessity." Yeah, yeah, and like I think a lot of people have this idea about tin fish. There's a lot of idea around tin fish um, related to only being related to poverty. And again, I think that has a lot to do mm. with in our country. Um. But so it was kind of just an eye-opening experience for me to have have other tin fish that wasn't like okay, we just have to buy this because we it lasts. You know, it's like no, I'm gonna buy this because I'm doing something nice for myself. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> and it's delicious. Absolutely, and you know, so sustainable. It, it's it's really bizarre to think about when you're talking about frozen fish versus you know, tin fish. Mm-hmm. A lot of tinned fish. I'm not going to say the majority, but a healthy amount is more sustainable than us sometimes sourcing the frozen fish from water and it's more responsible and it's like if you think about something in olive oil people are like oh no get it in water no if you're getting in if you're getting it in oil you're sous vide it it's like basted in fat (laughs) but again it's it's just it's exposure and and um and education right so yeah. that would be some the point you're making is something we would explain to our customers because they'd, they'd always wonder why I didn't just have like a fish dish always on the menu. Mm-hmm. And I would explain this to them exactly. And I'm like, we, we want to get people 
not only like loving this because it's delicious, but like on board with it. Because you know what? Depending on what direction, which I feel like I know where we're going here, it might be your only option. So like let's let's get on board. Let's learn how to to can things. Let's let's try and be as sustainable as we can when we go out to eat. Absolutely. I mean, I almost want to go back. Sorry, I'm reading my own notes. Ridiculous salad, ridiculous salad. Can, can you walk us through this freaking ridiculously delicious, oh wait, ridiculous, I didn't even mean Ridicu- Ridiculously delicious salad. Because when you talk about marrying tinned fish with a dish that, I don't want to say it's, I mean, salad's approachable, right? But radicchio might freak some people out. It shouldn't. I mean, it's it does, yeah. Because it's just an all radicchio salad, no green, no other greens. Yeah. Mm. What? So what is going on in this radicchio salad that is so ridiculous? So let me, so let me just, first, <laughs> let me first, I do love that very dad joke. That was very cute. Um, uh, let me just say, though, I, I was inspired to make my salad by uh Kathy Wim salad at Nostrana. So I just want to throw that out there. She was a big inspiration. Yes. Um, because I'd never had an all radicchio salad like that. And I never w- loved one so much. So when I made this one, it was very much like, okay, get on that level. If you're going to have an all radicchio salad, like get on that level. So I actually make the dressing. It's a citrus and Matisse crema dressing. So it's kind of an emulsion. So there's, you know, citrus and chili flakes and apple cider vinegar and sardines emulsified all together and then and lots let's, of let's, let's let's go back to that for a second folks that are listening emulsified with sardines okay keep going there yeah <laughs> lots of garlic too lots of acid and um and then so that's the dressing and then it gets tossed with uh, roasted hazelnuts and mimolette um which is just like essentially like a super sharp uh excuse me cheddar um and then raw shallots and a little bit of salt so you've got like your heat your acid your salt and your omami from those matisse sardines that have been emulsified into the dressing and everything kind of gets calmed down by the the cream base that we use for the dressing Mm. it is so good and Estrana's salad has always been one of my favorites and when i had yours i (laughs) i almost felt it was inspired, but dip. No, it no, it's it's not the same. But it's it not feels, like when you eat food that you like. Sometimes you're like, I could be friends with this person. Is that creepy? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think that we would eat at the same places. And this is exactly what, what this salad did for us. Yeah, and and it's been one of the most since we started doing pop ups forever ago. It's been a staple. People love that salad, and it makes me so happy. I get people to eat salad that are like, I never eat salad. I'm like, well. Wow. <laughs> and you get them to meet the mo- to eat the most like nutritious greens for them with all this exactly. dietings and everything you're like exactly. yes. <laughs> so what's what's your favorite beverage and tin fish pairing it doesn't even have to be alcohol oh God. That's not the case, I have but... an exact answer I'm so, yes. I love this question my, my pencil is ready because <laughs> I'm not a pen person <laughs> Azdemar tuna and I like to pickle some peppers or like little mamas is great to have with the Azdemar tuna and Peter uh, Lauer's barrel X Riesling. That's my favorite ooh. pairing. That is my favorite pairing and and uh yeah, I could eat that uh, eat that and drink that every day and just be the happiest happiest lady around. Okay, that is noted. Are you selling that to go? I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to. Can I get um, that now? It's it's <laughs> 
I'm trying to. I'm waiting on just more tuna and oh, more grillets, okay. actually. Okay. So, okay. I can always hit you up and let you know, though. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It is noted, and I will be searching that. I would rather buy it from you. So. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, um, if you aren't following Sardine Head, you should. There is a really great, sweet intro to this post that I know a lot of us. We all remember the last moments where we hugged and kissed our dear ones. Um, but this this post delves into something that I'd really like to chat about. And to quote, um, to quote Liz, we'll just dive into it, talking about the last moments and looking back on how 2020 has, you know, kind of shifted a lot of what we do. As much as I desperately miss that moment in time, I'm also quick to realize how grateful I am I ever got it in the first place. I can mark that space in time for exactly what it is, the beginning of an end. We cannot simply just go back to the way things were. Frankly, I don't want that anyway. Why would you? If you break a glass, you sweep up the pieces and you get a new glass. You don't sit there trying to glue the shards back together. So we move forward, we continue to learn, we provide support to others, we take care of ourselves, whatever that means for you. We can make what comes next so fucking glorious. I guess I just really wanted to say I love you all. Thank you for the memories. Make whatever comes next glorious. And I got through that without shedding a tear. Thank you. Yeah, goosebumps, goosebumps. I've read that so many times and it has inspired me in so many different ways. Um, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I guess the question that comes next is, what does this new glass look like for you? For you, um, yourself personally, sardine head, like what, what does that look like? You know, it looks like for me that I want to make sure that moving forward, I stand by what I truly believe in. And what that means is I cannot rightfully and ethically go ahead and just find a space that works for me and take an opportunity back in the same violently gentrified neighborhood that I was running a business in and not a be able to give back to the community in the ways that I want B be able to provide a actual living wage to my team and then some access to healthcare for them as well mm. i don't have the the money i'll just be frank the money to do that right now and sure. i have no business reopening a business if i can't make sure i can do all those things first mm -hmm. so that means for now i will be doing this on my own i will take your orders on the online website i our online store I will, I've been making custom cakes. I'll talk to you about wine and I will, I'll do that. And I'm thinking about maybe trying where I, I do like a once a month dinner that I just come to your house and make for you. I'm, I haven't explored that very much, but, but mostly it needs to be on me. What I do know is that I worked really hard. My team, Simon, and myself, we worked really hard for that name and for the space that we curated and so I can't let go of the name and that's why and like the following because I have a voice and I can actually do something with that so that's why I continue to be pretty active in terms of social media and things like that um, but it does feel odd to push my own product 
during this time. I've had a reckoning sure. with myself with things that I've, you know, just had to face. Um, and, and that's where I stand. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Incredibly strong. Thank you. I appreciate that. Liz, I know I've, I've only known you for maybe a week or two via email chatting for the first time now, but as you're describing, of course, what your goals are mm -hmm. for Sardine Head, like, like in a perfect world, of course, like we would offer you know, generous healthcare benefits to our employees. We would, mm -hmm. we would pay a living wage. Like I have no doubt in my mind that that has always been on your heart and a goal of yours, of which course. is based on economics, you know, just the way in which um, society operates. That's of course very challenging for small businesses, but I'm curious what you've observed in Portland, what you've observed in society as a whole, especially throughout the pandemic, that mm -hmm. you thought made this, you know, even more imperative for businesses to take this approach to really look at their staff as a whole. What, yeah. what was that moment for you? You know, there's throughout this industry of being in this industry, there were several of those moments leading up to just this last year, right? The several things that I've bumped heads with many of my past employers, God love them, that I'm not willing to put up with or turn a blind eye to. And so I got I get into having my own business, right? And I'm doing the best I can do for my team and trying to make them feel seen and respected, trying to make the people around me feel seen, include, you know, the neighborhood included, feel seen and respected. But, mm -hmm. but really, I think what it boils down to is just being humane and taking moments to not be, to, to, to be selfless, like recognizing mm -hmm. that you might be, and most likely are in a violently gentrified neighborhood, acknowledging sure. that your neighbors are not just those with roofs over their heads, whether you like it or not, the houseless folks are your neighbors too. And I feel like what I've seen is a lot of local businesses having a very tone deaf focus on their own personal struggles. And mm. whether that was traveling to another country for the duration of the height of the pandemic after laying their entire staff off or consistently shouting from the rooftops their own woes, or just even mm. a severe lack of communication like with their team or their neighbors, um, I've seen a lot of that. And while I'm pointing the finger, I'll point it right back at myself. I am not sure. guilt-free of this. This is something I have, I have done too. And, and I, you know, again, just having the business in the place I had it is a, it was a perfect example. And I know, I know this has been brutal and confusing for most people, but we have to create and sustain community. And mm -hmm. because those neighbors and that team, that's what's making your business functional. So you cannot just throw your hands up and not check in when shit gets hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's how a lot of people operate. And I felt like I just didn't realize how many people that was. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I have, that has been shocking for me to see. And I think just to offer some solutions, like as a functioning business, you know, maybe, maybe think about considering having a sliding scale menu. Or find out mm, what school wow. is closest to your business and make a certain amount of school lunches once a week for kids who don't have one. Or take a percentage, even if it's small, from your sales once a month and donate it to local family or activist group. You know, like these mm. are all things that we can explore and 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 we need to do, especially as local business owners. Like we have to look at these things. So... 
Uh, Liz, golly, um, I, I don't even know where to begin. It, it, it's it, well, it's I, I love, of course, you know, it, it's so hard to discuss solutions with any societal ills. It's really nuance. Um, a lot of top-down interventions may not come to fruition, but I love what you just proposed, and that's just a, a simple place to start. And right. that's these local small businesses considering ways to give back. And I contrast to that, like traditional philanthropy. It's like, I don't give a fuck if Jeff Bezos gave like X amount of million dollars to whatever right. kind of foundation it might be, right. um, as, a, as opposed to what you're describing. And even going back to the story that you shared of the single mother down the block, knocking out the work day, coming in and for without breaking the bank, having some wine and sardines. Mm-hmm. What I hope, what I hope, I hope your vision truly comes to fruition, Liz, because mm-hmm. it's, I think we'll see such a greater impact. Now, should wellness be totally on small businesses? No, we need no. government to step up. But Absolutely. I think it's a, it's a fantastic way to start to fill that gap and create such a better impact. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and, you know, it's like, I understand that's, that's why I wanted to come with some examples because I hear people who I agree with talking, talking, talking all the time, but what they are never talking about is offering solutions to people. And, and instead of us pointing the finger, which again, I am very guilty of, we have to talk about these solutions. So I appreciate Mm. you, um, you know, just not being resistant to it because I think some people feel a little resistant to it or like, Oh, how am I supposed to do that? You know? Sure. I think it's also a little frightening, too, when people see Portland in the media, Mm. um, especially the last year, year and a half. Mm. You know, we have uh, an incredible community of people that put their bodies out there to protest. And regardless of the outcome of that, a lot of people have different, you know, opinions on it. But we have a community that is rooted in, you know, whiteness and mm-hmm. rooted in a lot of things, but we also have a, a community of people that have moved here. I don't I don't know five people on my hand that were born and raised in Portland. No, mm-hmm. absolutely uh, not. And that's another reason why I think it's really important for business owners such as myself, who are white and who did not grow up here, to understand the history of where you're planting down your roots absolutely. and what sure. you're gonna do to help help it not make a negative impact. Absolutely. We have a huge, I mean, we have a crisis on so many different levels, but the houses, you know, crisis is, mm-hmm. is, is huge. And there are so many people that are willing to, you know, turn an eye on you know, these people. It's a, it's a choice. It's whatever. But like mm-hmm. Liz was saying, it's like, if you have a sliding skill for food, like one of the things that people don't know, socks, give out mm-hmm. socks. If you don't want to give out money, give socks. That is the exactly. biggest commodity for the houses. Cook. Like it, it's just... There are so many different aspects of it, but to mm-hmm. have an actual person running a business that cares and as many Liz's as there are, there can be more from people that listen to her because she's smart and brilliant, forward thinking, but oh also God. self-reflective and you're self-reflective, right? None of and us are perfect. To oh, we, we have, have to, to yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's. Well, even yeah. thinking about the, the future of our neighborhoods, like Liz, you acknowledge that you reside in a neighborhood that's been experiencing some gentrification. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly see businesses like Sardine Head as businesses that combat the prospect of gentrification. What I see in gentrified neighborhoods is cities giving unnecessary subsidies mm. to businesses that do not have any history 
in that mm-hmm. particular city or neighborhood as mm-hmm. opposed to picture this like if i identify some entrepreneurs in the neighborhood say i want to open up like a little donut shop mm-hmm. i don't need you know some major investment that might disrupt property values or right. you know excessively attract outsiders right. give me a give me like a thousand square foot rectangle yeah. and, and try out my idea and I then I, I can imagine this whole ripple effect of showing love to neighbors and all That's- that good stuff you described that's exactly why we wanted to take the opportunity about sharing. We, we knew we wanted to share space for that being one of the reasons, but that's why that being in that space was a great opportunity too, because it was an established business that actually does give back to the community. And, you know, I people would be like, why don't you just get an investor and get a loan from bank? Because it's exactly what you said. It invites an outside perspective that, those people don't live in these neighborhoods. They don't work in these sure. neighborhoods and they just come into them and spend money and think they know everything about everything. And sure. so, and they want to return point, on investment and, and they see that <laughs> it's instead cool of thinking or, it, yeah. you know, they see money, they see dollar signs. They don't see my team and what goes on behind closed doors. They don't see what's happening with the people across the street. They don't see those things. They, they're there for a minute and all they're thinking about are those things. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think, the smaller businesses in the, in those neighborhoods, yeah, I think it's better. I just think it's still important to acknowledge where you're at. Liz, let's let's flash forward ten years. It's two thousand thirty-one, I suppose. <laughs> if I'm doing my math correctly. Oh God, I just um, got a bout of anxiety. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. And what's what's going down for you? What's what, what's happening? You know. That's such, it's a great question, but it's a hard question. And what I know for sure is that I, I, I want to, I want to be someone who is doing something for others. And that could mean cooking. That could mean I've looked into um, private, private investigation work. Um, that could mean I've looked into being a 911 response person. So I've, you know, I, I can't specifically answer that question, but what I do know is that I just want to make sure that whatever I'm doing at that time is that it is of service to others. That's what Beautiful. I know. Beautiful. I so, thank you for that question. I have one last question, if I can answer it myself. Yes. <laughs> Liz, um, so what makes your heart happy right now? What's bringing you joy? Um, uh, some cheesy things. I mean, I've had all this extra time. <laughs> I've had a lot of extra time um, to be with my husband, and that's been bringing me a lot of joy. And he's my best friend. We're, he's, we're just, we have so much fun together and I'm so grateful for him um, and my dogs. And the fact that I've had a minute to just like stop and breathe and like enjoy my home. We bought our house and I had, I hit the ground running so fast with Sardine Head and never looked back that this has forced me to like have a moment to like look at all the fruits of my labor <laughs> and his yeah. and that's what's really bringing me a lot of joy right now awesome liz this has been the best <laughs> truly we always come in to, to talk tin fish but so early on we're just so joyfully reminded of just how good a kinfolk 
we get to chat with. And I, oh, and I, I love, love your it. neighborhood's first approach. Of course, love the way you're advocating for 10 fish. Um, <laughs> this has been so much fun. And if listeners want to keep up with you, whatever might be going down, um, where can people connect with you online? You know, the sardine I, head. I'm kind of, I'm kind of old school, I guess. I'm on, um, sardine head is on, uh, Instagram and, uh, we are on Facebook as well. I'm personally not, but the business is. Um, and then, you know, I'm always really down for dialogue. I always tell people, if you have a question, any question about us, you can email me. I will email you back. I like the dialogue and that's sardineheadpdx at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, as far as keeping up, if you don't have any questions, I would say the best way to do that is Instagram. Beautiful. Follow them. Well, Liz, thank you. This has been such a joy. And if listeners, if you want to connect with Liz and the ways in which you just described, we'll include them in the show notes. Y'all can holler. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. This was lovely. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. Talk Bye. soon. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Liz Pettigrew at Sardine Head in Portland, Oregon. If you're vibing with the podcast, consider subscribing on iTunes. And we'll talk soon. See ya.